Welcome to the Happy Me, Happy Earth podcast. I'm your host, Eva Peterson, life coach and Ayurvedic health counselor for changemakers and aspiring activists. Each week, I'm here to support you in creating the change that you want to see in the world without sacrificing your health and well-being. If you are on a mission to make the world a better place, whether you're just starting to get involved or decades deep, you are welcome here. Hello, welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you today and to be talking about a very important subject, imposter syndrome, something that comes up for me quite often. As you know, many times when I record these podcast episodes, the topics that I choose come from my own life. And this one too very much comes from our community. When I ask people in our community, other change makers, activists, aspiring activists, leaders, they often say that imposter syndrome has absolutely held them back in their careers in creating the change that they want to see in the world. So For me, this one came up quite a bit when I was working in the corporate world, when I was working as a corporate architect years ago. I remember being in conference rooms surrounded by like old white men, like 10, 15 old white men and me. And I definitely felt like I did not belong there. Also, when I was asking for raises, when I was promoted to associate, all of these things, I put in the hard work, but I still often felt imposter syndrome. And at the time, I spent a lot of time working through that and getting myself to a level where I could confidently ask for promotions, ask for salary raises, things like this. But I've noticed imposter syndrome coming up for me again over these past few months as I've been recording this podcast and getting the word out more and more about my work. There's this word, change maker, that I have a hard time calling myself. I have absolutely no problem calling my awesome friends and my amazing clients change makers. No problem at all. They are change makers. But for some reason, I have a hard time and I've been hesitant to call myself a change maker. So that's just something that's been coming up for me recently. And I wanted to chat about it a bit more today. Right off the top, before we dive into this podcast before we dive into imposter syndrome, I'm just going to say I am most definitely going to mispronounce this phrase. For some reason, I always want to say imposter syndrome. Obviously, that is incorrect. However, I pronounce it that way sometimes. Apologies up top. Please forgive me if I do that throughout this podcast, but I'm going to really try and pronounce it correctly. Okay, let's get into this. What is imposter syndrome? So I realized, or well, I thought that imposter syndrome was a term that everybody kind of knew about, right? I see it come up all the time. But I was chatting with my mom and she wasn't familiar with the term. So I thought I'd go ahead and just kind of define what it is. Imposter syndrome is a group of feelings that have basically been labeled. So 
When you think of imposter syndrome, you might think of doubting your abilities or feeling like a fraud or having difficulty accepting accomplishments or awards that you've been given. We might say that we are or that we don't feel worthy of awards or praise or other accolades. And this concept originated with psychologist Pauline Rose Clarence and Suzanne Imes. They coined the term imposter phenomenon in the year 1978. They were studying high-achieving women, and they came up with this term imposter phenomenon to talk about and identify, point to, a phenomenon that they had noticed in high-achieving women. Those things that I just mentioned before, feeling unworthy, feeling like a fraud, not feeling confident or worthy of their success. And in a more recent study, 75% of women in leadership positions said that they had experienced imposter syndrome at some point in their careers. And it should also be noted that people of color, and especially women of color, also reported this, but in even higher numbers, even more than 75% of people. And this is not uncommon. I've heard Michelle Obama, Viola Davis, Sheryl Sandberg, and so many other people, so many other incredibly successful women talk about imposter syndrome. Let's talk a little bit about when this tends to pop up for us. So if some people experience imposter syndrome all the time. There have been times in my life where it is just kind of my constant state, to be completely honest with you. And it's really peaked for me during career changes and promotions or when I'm trying something new. Also when I'm teaching or when I have a publication coming out. It might also come up for you when you're speaking up about what you believe in or when your work is being seen by a larger audience. So I remember for me, when I was launching my life coaching business and calling myself a life coach for the first time, I totally felt imposter syndrome, even though I had multiple life coach training programs and certifications under my belt by that time. So, of course, imposter syndrome is going to feel different for all of us, but I wanted to give you some of those examples to help you identify and think about how this might be showing up in your life. So, why does this exist? And why is it especially common in women and people of color? Why do women in particular question themselves and so often feel undeserving of success? And in saying this too, I'm not saying that men do not struggle with this. Of course they do. This is a really common set of emotions, but we definitely see that it is more common in women and people of color. And there is this excellent article. I first read it a couple of years ago and then was able to find it again before recording this podcast because I definitely want to link to it in the show notes. It's called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And the authors, Tulshian and Bure, talk about how the concepts of systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and these other biases that now we are talking about <laughs> We're not being talked about at all in 1987. 
When Clarence and Imes, those original researchers who coined the term imposter phenomenon, published their work. So women and people of color were systematically excluded, and in many ways still are systematically excluded, from white and male-dominated spaces like corporate leadership, politics, and other positions of power and influence. So, of course, women like myself and people of color feel uncomfortable. Of course, we feel anxiety, self-doubt. We wonder if we belong. There are so many signs around us telling us that we don't belong. As a little example, when I was back working at that corporate architecture firm, I looked at the leadership, and this is a firm of, I believe we had 400 people in our New York office, And only two women, one white woman and one black woman, sat on the firm leadership. Everyone else was an older white man. So when we don't see role models that look like us or that identify as the same gender as us, of course we don't feel like we belong. All this to say, if you feel imposter syndrome... If you struggle with this, it is not your fault. So I want to read a quick quote from that article that I mentioned before, Stop Telling Women That They Have Imposter Syndrome. The authors write, Imposter syndrome puts the blame on individuals. Without accounting for the historical and cultural contexts that are foundational to how it manifests in both women of color and white women. Imposter syndrome directs our view towards fixing women at work instead of fixing the places where women work. Boom. If you experience imposter syndrome, it is not a personal failure. You are not flawed or weak. Nothing is wrong with you. (laughs) What our culture has labeled imposter syndrome is actually a completely normal healthy and rational response to growing up and existing in a culture built on systems of oppression. Now, that being said, we can do something about it. I hope that awareness does not make you feel hopeless, but that it's empowering for you. It's definitely empowering for me. In our activism and through our leadership, whether it's in a corporate setting or any other setting, any other way that you're getting out your voice, we can fight to dismantle these systems of oppression. And possibly more immediately or or on a more personal level, we can also work to dismantle imposter syndrome within ourselves by challenging our thoughts and retraining our brains, right? Dismantling those systems of oppression and the thoughts and emotions that they have inspired within us. And so that's what I want to focus on today. That's what I'm going to share with you today. Because when we're up against these huge systems of oppression, no amount of accomplishments or success or awards or publications or degrees will make you finally overcome imposter syndrome, right? (laughs) We can see from those studies that I mentioned before and all those successful people, insanely successful people that also struggle with this, 
that what we do, our results, right, those accolades, that level of success that we have, that's not how we overcome imposter syndrome. We need to go deeper into our thoughts and our feelings, retrain our brains, and get into some mindset work. So again, it's really important to acknowledge that what has been labeled imposter syndrome is just a set of normal feelings. Second-guessing ourselves, discomfort, anxiety, we all experience these things, even the most successful people, and that's totally fine. It's not a pathology or a disease or a diagnosis. It's not a mental illness. It's not a syndrome. That term, imposter syndrome, I take a lot of issue with it. Feeling unsure and second-guessing yourself does not make you an imposter. These feelings are normal. And like I mentioned before, it's a healthy response to living in a society that has been built on systems of oppression. This is because our brain's number one priority is keeping us alive. And we humans are herd animals. So belonging and being accepted by the herd was essential to our survival. Feeling anxious or second-guessing ourselves, experiencing self-doubt, etc. is completely rational and a very healthy response to a threat that our brain has identified because we are seeing signals from the outside world that we don't belong, right? I hope that makes sense. So let's dive a bit into the brain and the feelings and thoughts that are commonly called imposter syndrome. You've heard me say this before, (laughs) but our thoughts create our feelings, and then we act according to how we're feeling. And then the results that we see in our life, our level of success, our effectiveness as changemakers and activists, those results are a product of our actions. So our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our actions, and our actions create our results. And it all starts with those thoughts. But let's work backwards. So let's first start with the actions or maybe the (laughs) non-action that we get stuck in when we feel imposter syndrome. Oftentimes we don't take action or we feel really stuck and maybe we don't even realize why. If we are feeling the feelings of imposter syndrome, we don't speak up. We don't step out. We don't like to be visible. In my personal example here, I very rarely, gosh, if ever, refer to myself as a change maker. I'll call myself an activist, I'll call myself an environmentalist, an advocate, but I rarely call myself a change maker. And another example, I delayed the launching of this podcast for so long because, again, I didn't feel like I had the authority. Like, like who was I? Who was I to have my own podcast? And again, it took me a while when I was working in the corporate world to go after a promotion or go after a raise. And for a number of years, I didn't ask for as much of a raise as I think I actually deserved because of these feelings of imposter syndrome. Another way that this really shows up for me is in what I now call procrastinating. <laughs> so basically, procrastinating and not taking action 
by continuing to get more and more training or degree after degree, certification after certification, going after award after award, because I always felt like I needed just a little bit more knowledge or credibility to prove to myself or to prove to others that I could do what I was setting out to do. And I think so many people fall into this. I know a lot of my friends and a lot of the people in our community can definitely relate to this. So for example, I have done so many different life coach trainings. I have so many certifications under my belt, life coaching, and then also Ayurvedic trainings. And part of that is because I am a lifelong learner. I love learning and I will continue to learn for my whole life. But I had to discern when I was going after more education, certifications, etc., because I was really curious about the topic and wanting to build my competency versus out of feelings of unworthiness and, and insecurity and fear. There's a big distinction there. <laughs> so I'm not saying that like my past self was wrong for going after more and more and more education. Like that's awesome. But if I'm only taking information in, only learning, but not sharing what I had learned and not helping people through what I've learned, that's the piece for me that didn't feel right. I realized that I really wanted to create and share. That really felt like part of my purpose here on earth. And it was something that was really on my heart to do, but I was allowing fear of judgment, and all of these different emotions, these emotions that we associate with imposter syndrome, I was allowing all of that to hold me back for a long time. So those are some of the actions that tend to stem from imposter syndrome. And you might just take a think for yourself, what actions or inaction is imposter syndrome causing in your life? So now let's go backwards. Those actions are stemming from certain feelings, right? I've mentioned some of these before, but I'll go ahead and mention them here again. Common feelings of imposter syndrome, anxiety, self-doubt, doubting our abilities, our smarts, our talents, our skills. There's a lot of fear there too, right? Fear of being found out, fear of judgment, fear that somebody's going to call us out. Maybe fear of being canceled, feeling unworthy. So those are some of the feelings, the common feelings. And I would love to just ask you for a moment to tap into your intuition, tap into your body, and note, what feelings do you associate with imposter syndrome? If you say that you struggle with imposter syndrome, what does that mean to you? What feelings are actually behind that term? And then I mentioned before, our feelings come from the thoughts that we are thinking. So let's dive into what common thoughts tend to create these feelings. Again, working our way back here, peeling back the layers of the onion. So some of the common thoughts that we associate with imposter syndrome are, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough training. I've not accomplished enough. I don't belong here. I'm not enough, period. I'm not worthy, period. So for you, what thoughts do you have? 
going back to my example of being uncomfortable calling myself a change maker, that thought of I've not accomplished enough, that comes up for me a lot. I have not written a book. I have not done a TED Talk. I haven't published anything in an academic journal for several years. There are these expectations or milestones that we set for ourselves that we then point to as reasons why we can't do X, Y, or Z, or reasons why we are an imposter. Those are all completely arbitrary (laughs) milestones or expectations that I have put on myself. And by identifying those, I can then see like, whoa, okay, that's kind of ridiculous. And that can be really, really empowering. That awareness of our thoughts can be very empowering. And it's really important to note that many of these thoughts were programmed into us from a very young age by that culture based in these systems of oppression that we grew up in. And we can take a little bit of personal responsibility here. We don't just need to point the finger out, right? We can also take some personal responsibility here and realize that oftentimes we continue to think these thoughts because they are serving us in some way. So for example, by continuing to think these thoughts of I'm not worthy, I don't have enough training, I'm not accomplished enough, etc., those stopped me for a long time from speaking up and from going after different leadership roles. Staying in this state of quote-unquote imposter syndrome helps us to feel safe. It keeps us small and in our comfort zones instead of having to grow, which is often uncomfortable, right? And we're able to protect our potential. Because guys, it is really vulnerable to speak up, to make a full effort, to call yourself a change maker, to go after a promotion at work. It is really vulnerable to do that because the truth is, you might not get it. You might fail. (laughs) You might get called out, right? And so these feelings of imposter syndrome often stop us from taking actions because if we don't act, if we don't go after our dreams and our desires and try and create the change that we want to see in the world, then we can't be disappointed. People can't judge us. We can't make a mistake or fail. So I want to ask you this question. How is staying in those thoughts and feelings that we label imposter syndrome serving you? And it can be really confronting and uncomfortable to look at this. (laughs) So I want to encourage you to come at it with some self-compassion. No judgment here. I hope that by sharing my own experiences, you have full permission to confront yours without judgment. So maybe take some time later today or tomorrow and just think about that question. How is staying in those thoughts and feelings that we label imposter syndrome serving you? Like I said before, we are herd animals and therefore our survival for a long time was dependent on belonging and being accepted by the herd or by the group. So just notice how incredibly rational your thoughts and feelings are given the culture that you've grown up in, right? This is a normal and healthy reaction. I can't stress that enough. (laughs) You're not wrong for feeling this way, but we can change our thoughts 
And so I hope that this process is helping you to get to the root of the feelings that are holding you back, getting to the root of the thoughts that are holding you back, right? So that we can choose different thoughts. So how do we do that? How do we choose different thoughts? I want to give you an exercise now that I think will be very helpful in helping you to overcome imposter syndrome. It's been very helpful for me and for my clients. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of your future self. This is the future version of you that has accomplished the thing that you're striving for. So it can be really helpful here to have a specific goal with a specific deadline so you can kind of zoom forward to that version of yourself, the person that has accomplished that goal. Or for me, for my example, (laughs) that future self is the version of Eva that confidently calls herself a change maker. And then we want to ask our future self a few questions. And I know this sounds a little woo-woo, but just go with me here. This can be a really powerful exercise. So you can journal. I think oftentimes writing these things down is super helpful because then you can go back and take a look at them later when you're again, you know, struggling with imposter syndrome because this isn't going to be a one and done fixed thing. These thoughts will come back up for you. Or sometimes people like to speak them out loud and maybe do a voice recording or something. But ask yourself these questions. So number one, what is your future self thinking? What thoughts are they thinking? How does your future self feel? And lastly, what actions is your future self taking based on those thoughts and feelings? How is she showing up? So to give you an idea of what this exercise might look like, how it might flow, I'm just going to go through these with you right now. So what is my future self thinking? Given my example, the future version of me that confidently calls herself a change maker, she would be thinking, I have so much amazing knowledge, skills, life experiences to share. I just, I can't keep this all to myself. (laughs) And by showing up in a big way, by taking up space, I am helping others to give themselves permission to do the same. I am setting a really important example for other women and for younger generations. It's kind of making me a little emotional. (laughs) Okay, other thoughts that this future version of myself would have. I have already helped so many people transform their mindset and heal themselves, get clear on their mission, act courageously, and step up and move into the next season of their lives. And there are so many other people out there that need this important healing work. I am a change maker. That's what she would think. I am a change maker. Woo, I was not expecting this to get me so emotional. Okay, so how does she feel? How does that future version of myself feel? She is confident in her ability to respond to life's challenges. She feels competent. She knows that she has the ability, the knowledge, the skills to do whatever she puts her mind to and to help her clients literally transform their lives. 
She is empowered. She knows she has the authority and the life experience to truly help people. Okay, so what actions is this future version of myself taking based on those thoughts and feelings? How would she show up? She would be decisive. She speaks up for herself and she shares her life vulnerably. She takes imperfect action because she knows it's not about her. (laughs) It's about the people that she's helping. She's willing to make mistakes and to fail because she knows that is how she's going to learn and grow. And really practically, she talks about her coaching programs, her workshops, and the other ways that she can support other changemakers and aspiring activists. She advertises herself. She has a marketing strategy. And lastly, but very importantly, she refers to herself as a changemaker. So it's, it's interesting, right? This is not fake it till you make it. I feel like that's a lot of like the advice that people give when they're talking about imposter syndrome. Just fake it till you make it. But that's not what I'm talking about here. And I hope that that's very clear. This is about recognizing that you are that future version of yourself right now. You have the same body, the same brain. Yes, we need to rewire some thought patterns, but you're the same person. You're just choosing to think different thoughts. And it's really interesting. So just going through that exercise with you guys, when I was talking about like the ways that this future version of myself shows up, like I'm already doing a lot of that stuff. It's really cool. It's like, I am already this person. And and you too, you are already this future version of yourself. There's just a few tweaks to make. And just listening to this podcast and just going through this exercise, just that creates a huge shift. We just need to continue practicing choosing different thoughts. This is how we evolve and change our self-image. So how do we do that? How do we practice choosing different thoughts? Once you've gone through this exercise, these future self questions that I just mentioned, I want to invite you to journal or again, speak out loud about these thoughts each morning and challenge yourself to look for ways that these future self thoughts are actually true. And it's going to be hard at first, right? We know that our brain has a negativity bias, but challenge yourself to look for ways that these future self-thoughts, these actions, these thoughts, these feelings are already present in your life. And what we're doing here, we're retraining our brain's negativity bias. By practicing these different thoughts, these different thought patterns, we're also expanding our capacity for pleasure, for feeling good about ourselves, for having a more positive self-image. And the goal here is to continue practicing these future self-thoughts until they become our default thoughts, until that future self becomes our current self. (laughs) And then, of course, you'll probably identify some other thoughts that you're ready to let go of and transform so that you can evolve to the next level of your self-image, and on and on, and we continue to grow. Not because our current self is wrong or bad, but because growing and challenging ourselves 
is really fulfilling and really fun and living up to our potential and expanding our potential is fun. Uncomfortable, yes, but super, super fulfilling. So in addition to that morning practice, I want to invite you to just one time this week when you notice throughout the day that your brain is starting to think those old thoughts and going into those old thought patterns, into that state that we call imposter syndrome, take a moment to stop. Take a breath and refocus yourself on your new thoughts, those future self thoughts. And again, challenge yourself in the moment to identify ways that you are worthy. You are enough. (laughs) Just one time this week. And the last thing I'm going to mention, I'm going to wrap this up in just a second. But the last thing that I want to mention that is so important is that even while we are still feeling what we might call imposter syndrome, Even while we're working on this to, you know, think these future self-thoughts, creating these new neural pathways, rewiring our brains, we can go ahead and take action. You can feel imposter syndrome and take action anyway. Like I mentioned before, when I was going through those three future self-questions with you, I'm still feeling and thinking a lot of those imposter syndrome type thoughts and feelings. However, I'm taking action. I'm taking action anyway, right? You can acknowledge those feelings of anxiety and fear and unworthiness, etc. And allow them to be there. Again, they're not wrong. You don't have to fully embody those future self thoughts before taking the actions that your future self would take. So y'all, I really, really hope that this episode was super helpful for you. It's been really helpful for me. (laughs) Let's step into our new self-identity together. We are change makers. As always, I'll be back in your feed next week. And until then, I am sending you so much love and so much courage. I hope that you can feel the virtual hug that I'm giving you right now. If you enjoyed today's chat, I want to invite you to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you desire more support on your change-making journey, please check out my free guide, Self-Care for Changemakers. You can find the guide, the show notes, and other resources on my website at happymehappyearth.com. As always, it's an honor to be in your ears. Thank you so much for listening.